This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Good evening and welcome back to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Emin and our favorite guest, Matt Weaver of Peaks.com. Uh, to talk a little Indiana football yesterday. I mean, yesterday used to be a big, big day uh, with National Signing Day, the first Wednesday in February. Now, I, it, it almost like it never existed. Uh, Indiana didn't make any waves uh, yesterday, which was expected as they had a big December signing period um, with their high school recruits and, and transfers. Uh, TJ, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, excited to be uh, talking about 2024 class and then looking forward to 2025 a lot of uh impressive visitors on IU's campus here uh, for the junior days that that were recently passed so I, I think um a lot of excitement surrounding the program right now Matt how are you doing I'm okay how are you guys uh, do, doing great. Uh, re- ready to talk some football. So uh, the the biggest news, I think, whatever everybody, every IU football fan wants to know, uh, when's Julius uh, Julian Lewis coming? Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It's well, he was on campus on 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 Sunday, so he's already he's already been to IU. Uh, as far as committing, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, Steve Wolfong talked to him, and it sounds like they you know they made a good impression, but obviously. You know, this is this is not just going to be uh, an organic recruitment. There's obviously going to be some uh, deals involved when you have a player of this caliber. So, um, you know, they're they're in they're in the ring and they're taking swings. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I asked that question kind of jokingly, but they they do have a legit like this is a legit recruitment, not him doing a favor to Coach Sinceri, who he has connections with. No, I don't. I, I mean, if he was a local five-star kid and he had to drive 45 minutes, then maybe you'd say it's a favor. He had to come all the way up from Georgia, and it's on his own dime. Um, so, you know, there's no official visits right now. So if a kid's coming that far, um, him and his family, and it's on their own dime, then I don't I don't think that's a favor. Um, you know, I you know, I know maybe, maybe it's a family where it's not, you know, making that kind of financial commitment is not a big deal. But still, to take that time to come all the way up here, um, in February, early February, I, that tells me that there's sincere interest. Awesome. Yeah, I, and if, from a, a standpoint of the most likely scenario is he does not end up committing to IU, um, but even in that scenario, do you think it matters much just in terms of having that high profile of a quarterback in that class uh, do you think that there is a lot of benefit from a perception standpoint for Indiana's recruiting team to be able to kind of, you know, quote tweet the the quotes from Julian Lewis, a player that a lot of the other 2025 guys know who he is uh, and be able to send that to them and say, look, this guy believes in what we're doing. You should too. Is there value in that or is that overblown? No, I think there is, um, you know, and I, I think that's a good point. 
um, you know, I, I know sometimes you say getting a guy on campus and getting in the running for him is kind of like a moral victory. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, this kid was the number one player in the 26th class. He's really good. I mean, obviously, he's really, really good. Um, and like I said, the fact that he came all the way up on his own um, and he's got the relationship with Sinceri, but I mean, it takes more than that, in my opinion, for somebody to make that kind of uh, take that time and effort to uh, come from Georgia to to Bloomington. So, um, yeah, I think there is you, you even if you don't get them um, and if you're not going to get them, it might be better if he waits longer so that you can kind of, you know, play it, you know, play it up more. Um, I guess if he gets, commits somewhere else, it's maybe it's hard to play it up. But the fact that you got a kid like that on campus should be an eye opener um, uh, for other recruits when they're talking to him. Yeah, let's uh, put a bow on the 2024 class, Matt. Uh, obviously did not sign anybody on Wednesday, had their class put together. Um, do you do you see them adding adding people after spring practice or when that second portal window opens, I believe in May? Yeah, I do. And I mean, I know Coach Cincinnati touched, touched on it on um, uh, yesterday in the Zoom call. He mentioned DB. Um, I, would, I think the focus is going to be on defense. I mean – I don't see anywhere where you really need to add on offense. Obviously not quarterback, running back for sure. No receiver. No O-line looks pretty solid. Uh, you know, tight end the same. I think D-line um, and more specifically D-tackle. Um, although, I mean, you're going to, if you, there's a good edge guy out there, um, you know, obviously you're not going to turn him away. You can never have too many pass rushers. Um, I think linebackers probably okay. And then he mentioned safety. I think corners a position where I like the depth. Um, but safety, you maybe if you could add another guy, um, you know, I don't think it's critical, um, but I, you know, if you could add another safety, that'd be great. I think D tackle to me of all the position groups, D tackle is my biggest concern going into the season. Um, you know, I think they got some guys that can play, but you've got to have more than just two or three. You've got to have five or six. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not saying they don't have five or six. I just don't think we know enough to say that they do. I think Signetti said that Vincent Sneed, uh, James Carpenter, the transfer from JMU, and um, Linnell Carr were going to be out for spring practice. You know, is this an opportunity? Do they actually have the guys on the defensive line to actually have the opportunity to uh, give them the repetitions? Because uh, it, it is a th- it was a thin position before, uh, but with having three guys out for those postseason surgeries you know, just how thin is this defensive line going into spring ball? Well, to me, D tackle is the thinner one. I mean, at edge, you know, I mean, I'm just looking at my roster here. You've got, you'll have uh, the one guy who won't be here in the spring is, I'm going to try to say it, William DePepe from over there in Illinois. I mean, I'm probably butchering that last name. Uh, but everybody else on here, you got, so that'll be seven guys. Um uh, Trey Lane's one guy I'm not sure about. Um, he didn't mention him, but I wouldn't be uh, as far as being limited. But you know, this is a chance to get you know if Jacob Mangum Farrar is at uh, at what what do they call it the stud position, like I think he will be, then he'll get valuable reps. Uh, you know, Kamara knows the position. You don't have to see Tadarius Collins. There's another guy in Dukeway, the freshman who's coming in. So there is a silver lining here um, because you'll get guys that D tackle Mario Landino, Jamari Monet. Um, Robbie Harrison. There's three guys who have basically not – well, Landino's obviously never played. He's come from high school. The other two have almost no playing experience. So that's valuable reps for them. But obviously, it's – you know, obviously when guys miss, it's not ideal. But the benefit is the spring ball, like you said. You're not preparing for a game. There's no wins or losses. 
and this is about player development. You know, James Carpenter, he knows what he's doing. Linnell Carr, you know, it's a new defense, but, I mean, I don't think a lot's going to change for him. It does benefit the younger guys, but obviously it does show how thin the depth is, like I said, especially D-tackle. Uh, turning to the 2025 class, which has slowly uh, begun to get formed here. Um, impressive list of junior day visitors as IU has had over the past few weekends. Uh, setting aside Julian Lewis, a lot of really good, uh, you know, four-star, a lot of high three-star guys, but more importantly, players that have really good offer lists. Uh, a lot of good programs are after the guys that Indiana was able to get on campus. And they also landed a couple of uh, commitments along the offensive line. So two-part question, what did you take from uh, what you heard from guys from those junior day visits? Uh, and then is Indiana going to be done on the offensive line relatively soon? I would expect maybe four guys you're taking total and Indiana's already lined up uh, a couple of those. So, uh, offensive line, good start there. Yeah, I mean, everything I'm hearing, I mean, and it's not just the, guy, the, the guys that I'm talking to. I mean, I know Steve Wolfong has talked to some, and you've just seen tweets and stuff. Um, the, the staff is making a really good impression on, on players at these junior days, um, which is to be expected. I mean, let's be, you know, I'll be honest. You don't usually have guys who have a bad experience on these visits because they get, even on an unofficial, because you get, you know, you still get the full red cart treat red carpet treatment um but they've um they, they've done a good job you could tell the staff knows what they're doing obviously they've never recruited really at this level um you know but they they you know if you can recruit and you can build relationships it's just like you know i mean you know i've never really done sales but i mean if you're a good salesman you're a good salesman whether you're selling widgets or lamborghinis you know what i mean it's obviously a different level but you know, if you can sell, if you can, if you can be a people person and you can sell what your vision is, then you can be successful. And I think these guys, and obviously Signetti's a guy that really, I mean, the fans, we're seeing it as fans. I mean, his personality, his confidence, let's, uh, this word gets overused, his swagger. <laughs> For a guy is 60 something years old, he's got swagger. He really does. And it's kind of refreshing because we've never really had that, at least in my time covering Indiana football. Kevin Wilson had it to a degree. Um, he didn't have the track record that Signetti had when he came in as far as the head coach. So, um, you know, as far as the old line, you know, my guess is at least four TJ, I wouldn't be surprised. You know I mean? It's hard. It's so hard anymore. It used to be, I could give you a number. Like I can look at the roster and say, okay, they got four seniors. They're going to take yeah. at least four. You just don't know. I mean, after spring ball, there could be some old linemen who decide, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, and I'm not, maybe and I'm not saying there's gonna be a large number, but there may be some guys just like, okay, I'm not going to play. Or after the 24 season, you know, guys who are senior juniors this upcoming season, redshirt juniors who could graduate. Um, and I'm not saying these guys will, but like a Noah Boltikoff. He hasn't played much yet. I hope he, you know, hope he doesn't leave because he could be the next guy. Vinny Fiacable, Cooper Jones, they're all going to be seniors. They haven't played a ton. Now, if they wait around, I think they got a good shot to play in 25 if they're not playing this year. But you just don't know. In today's day and age, guys, patience is not something that a lot of people have. So, um you know, I know they love Isaac Souls Jr. He yeah. he's I'd be shocked if he's not a take, um, even if they would take uh, one more interior guy. And right now it looks like they've got two interior guys in um, Evan Parker and uh, Matt Merrick. Um, Souls is for sure an inside. In fact, I think he's probably a center for them. 
Um, I just messaged with Jaden Clark last night. He had a great he had a great time this past week. I think he's from out of Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I think at least I wouldn't be surprised to see five. Six is a lot just because you can't play six linemen if they're all in the same class. You know, somebody's kind of the odd man out. But you never know. I mean, I, I I'm still learning this staff, but I think I I think my guess is five. If I had a gun to my head, I would say five old linemen from the high school ranks, but we'll, you know, we'll see. I, I think like you said, four for sure. Um, but another one or two wouldn't shock me. Makes me feel old that Isaac Saul's son is now being recruited to play at IU. He, his right. senior season was my freshman season at IU. <laughs> so I know that makes Matt feel ancient. Um, yeah. But it, it's good to see some of these legacy players uh, who have come through IU and have kids and just see his excitement about being in Bloomington and seeing the school where his dad played in the, in the program and, and all those things. Uh, Especially Matt, when they're good. I mean, he, he's got a, like, that's a legitimate player. He's not somebody they're pursuing just because, oh yeah, his dad went to IU, you know, no, I, he's got some really good offers. Uh, uh, Auburn, South Carolina, Kentucky, you know, really good schools that want him as well. So it's encouraging that uh, Indiana's in, in with the good chance of him. Yeah. I, you look at a guy like Tyler Cherry too. I believe he has strong family ties to IU uh, and, and things like that. So it's good to see Matt. Let's talk about the recruiting staff. Um, and we bring back old friend, Matt Wilson, who's coming back from NC state. What does he bring um, that was kind of missing the last couple of years in this recruiting department? Well, I'm not sure if there was anything missing. I thought Steve Ruzek was, is, was, is a talented guy. And he, and I thought he was a good hire. And he's only here for a year. Um, Lee Wheelbanks was there before him. Um, you know, to me, uh, you know, the, the, the recruiting department's important, but everybody, it all starts at the top with the head coach. And I think, you know, um, with Signetti and he has a clear vision of what he's looking for, a plan. Um, I don't think they're going to deviate from that. Matt is, you know, I mean, obviously I'm friends with him, so I'm biased, but he's he's really good. And you see it where he's gone. Wherever he goes, they get good recruiting classes. Um, and he's he's done a really good job at different places. I mean, when he was in Indiana, he was part of some of those classes where they brought in guys like Feeney and and, uh, and some of those, that are, I shouldn't say Feeney, guys after him who who, the, uh, who got drafted in the NFL. Um, five, or set, five to seven guys, I think I was talking to him about this, um, after he came in. And if you count Penix, which I think you can because they did bring him to Indiana. I mean, I know they didn't get him to the NFL, but yeah. he was a the guy they recruited. He's an NFL player. Um, you know, he, he just, he's a good identifying talent. Um, he's got a great background. He's been in a lot of good places. He's been under a lot of really good coaches. And, you know, I think it was, this was in today's day and age um, with NIL and portal, you need, you know, somebody asked yesterday, it's almost like an NFL setup with the GM. I mean, I think they have like a director of, personnel for offense a director of personnel for defense a director of scouting i mean this is like this is like an nfl front office and and um you know matt's experience and he's he's been around and he knows what he's what he's doing um and he's really good at, at identifying players and that's what these guys do they're the initial the initial set of eyes because obviously coaches don't have time to 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 watch all of this film i mean they, they watch a lot of film but this, you know, they have to coach and they have to do other things. And this is what Matt and his staff do. They watch film, they evaluate, and then they kind of, you know, get a pool of players and then they go from there. So I, I think recruiting, I mean, listen, recruiting was not the problem under Tom Allen. I mean, there was, there were some misses and, 
you know, you know, I, I think the bigger issue was development and, you know, maybe at some positions, not really have a clear plan quarterback being one of what you were trying to do, you know, kind of a hodgepodge of guys. Um, I don't think, I don't think recruiting was the biggest issue under the previous staff. I thought they did a solid job recruiting, but it was getting the the right pieces and developing them the, the proper way that I think did them in among other things. But as far as that part, I thought that's what did it, man. I think recruiting will, will continue. And, you know, I know Signetti City is a pay attention to stars. They've offered a lot of really good players who have good ratings. Um, but I do think, you know, like Matt Merrick, he, w- he was the first commit in the class. My, my guess would have been, I, I think I put on the board, Evan Parker. I didn't even know Matt Merrick was visiting. He was one of those. And that you had those junior days where, you, you know, you'll, you'll get some names, um, and there's always a surprise or two. And some guys that you thought were coming don't come. It always happens on junior days. I didn't have him as a visitor on that junior day. He gets offered and he commits. And, you know, if you look at his, if you look at his offer list, look at Evan Parker's offer list, not crazy impressive. Um, and I'm not saying I have blind faith in Bob Bostad, but I have a lot of faith in Bob Bostad. Uh, he knows what he's looking for. He knows what he wants and he knows what he can develop. So, uh, you know, while they may have Mac offers, I think these guys will both turn out to be pretty good players. There's also uh, Coach Signetti has mentioned multiple times about that four-hour radius and getting guys in that four-hour radius to IU and the bordering states of Ohio, Illinois, uh, getting into St. Louis a little bit and down south. Um, How important is that semi-local recruiting? Because there are some great players in that Chicagoland area. In Ohio is one of the hot, uh, you know, recruiting hotbeds that IU historically has had good success in with players. you know, is, is that the focus of the, this staff is to to recruit that four hour radius and then out for other players? Yeah, and that's and like he said, it doesn't matter if you're at Indiana or Alabama or Idaho. I think came of the schools he mentioned, but you want to recruit your state well, and you're the state school. Um, you know, the, the, and it's not that the previous staff didn't recruit. I know people were down, but I mean, they just you know, I think. When they started going downhill, it kind of got went sideways within state recruits. And let's be honest, Indiana football in this state among high school players for a long time has kind of been of a joke. I mean, it has. They've kind of looked down their nose at the program, rightly or wrongly. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And, you know, that's what Signetti said. He said it. When guys came in, when families came in for visits, the first thing he said is, erase whatever you think about Indiana football because it's different. Now, they've got to go out and prove that. Um, you know, you can, you can, you can say that, but you got to go out and prove it. I, you know, I think, I think they're going to be successful. Like he said, um, but that's the thing he, he said, we got to change perception. And, and my guess is, you know, I always remember previous staffs would tell me the perception of Indiana and like Florida and Georgia is way better. I shouldn't say way better, but better a lot of times than it was, you know, within an hour of Bloomington or an hour right. and a half. Um, and I think it's because down there they see Big Ten school, Indiana. It's a, obviously a good academic school. There's a lot of positives up here. People are like, oh, Indiana, you know, they're terrible in football. They've been terrible. So, you know, changing that perception, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, it, it's going to take time. Um, I think getting Tyler Cherry is huge. I think that was huge um, because, you know, he was, I don't know if he was, he wasn't, the, I don't know if he was a top player, but he was one of the top players in the state and he's a quarterback. He plays right. the marquee position. And he comes from arguably the best program in the state at Center Grove. If not the best, it's in the top two or three. Um, so I think in getting a guy like that, his brother, who I've who I've 
communicate with Kobe, who's a 2026, unbelievable kid, uh, really good baseball player. Um, and he he's, you know, he loves IU. Loves, and obviously his brother's there, but I mean, it's you know, you still got to sell him. And, you know, getting guys like that at those kind of programs, something the chest of the Indiana program, you know, beating the drum for them, that's huge. And that's what it's going to take. But it's at the end of the day, and I say it every year, you got to get wins. You got to show it on the field. You got to put a product that only is successful, but kids are drawn to. They want to play in. You know what I mean? That's it's it, it they they have fun playing in it, and then it also exposes them to people at the next level, so they have a shot to possibly play professionally. Yeah. I, quick aside on Kobe Cherry. Looking at pictures of him, it is very difficult to believe that that kid is in the class of 2026. He does not look like a kid uh, at all. You know, some guys you see and they've, you know, still got baby face and all that. That's not, not him. But uh, shifting quickly to kind of the uh, strength program, which is what Indiana's dealing with right now, um, you know, before spring ball, uh, Derek Owings recently on Under the Hood with Rhett Lewis. It's great watch for everybody. Uh, interested in his process, but uh, what have you heard or, or learned uh, about Rhett Lewis or about um, Derek Owings, um, either from interactions with players or, or other staff members, or just what you've read uh, and seen from him as Indiana's new strength program, a possibly different approach? It seems like there's uh, uh, a different um, emphasis on certain things from Owings as there was from uh, Wellman. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've heard that um, one guy that I have that I have a ton of respect for him is in Indiana's in Alabama now is Dave Ballou. I've heard that Ballou uh, gave his stamp of approval that I, I don't think Ballou and Derek Owings have a personal relationship, but it, that's kind of, you know, that's one of those things where you kind of know other people. It's a, it's a small fraternity, strength coaches. And from what I've heard, Blue has said the guy's the real deal. He's really good. Um, you know, so that that rings big for me. I know a guy in Bloomington who's really into strength conditioning. He travels around. In fact, I think he's done um, presentations or seminars or whatever you want to call it, even for IU. And he's he's told me good things about Derek Owings, too. So, you know, I mean, obviously the proof will be in the pudding. I, I had serious um, – I think we all did. We all had, you know, uh, doubts about the previous strength program because we saw it. I mean, you know, Idaho or whoever it was or, you know, Akron should not come in here and physically whip a Big Ten team. You know, they may have some skill guys, but they should not physically beat you up front. And that's what happened. They got physically beat by teams that they should not have been getting physically whipped by. Um, and it was it, it was alarming. And we saw it for the last, you know, uh, however many years. Um, and it, it just didn't seem to get any better. So. To me, I've always said it, after your head coach is obviously the most important guy in the program, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and strength coach are like 1A, 1B, and 1C. I, I think the strength coach is almost as important as the coordinators, and I know people think that's crazy, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how good your X's and O's are. If you don't have the dudes who can run and tackle and can, are physical and, and are strong and everything you need to be, it doesn't matter. They always say it's not about the uh, Jimmy's and the Joes, it's about, or not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joes, and Derek Owens is, is uh, responsible for developing those guys. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, I mean, 
person that he's been around a really long time. He's been around some really good programs and he loves always, he doesn't, you know, he leaves him to do his thing. That's what I loved about what that's kind of off topic. You know, one of the things you kind of heard about the previous staff is a little bit of micromanaging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, with Signetti, he's an old school guy. I think he believes that I hire my guys. I tell them what they need to do and I let them do it. If they don't do it, my guess is changes will be made if they need to be made. But, you know, I, I, I think that's, I think that's how it should be. He says, I coach the coaches. He lets them coach the players. Um, and, you know, with Owens, he leaves those, he leaves them alone. And I think, I think uh, we're going to see, we're going to see the, the, the fruits of the labor of Derek Owens and his staff this fall. Yeah. yeah For well, me, it, it wasn't just the strength side. It was speed. Yeah. There was a, a distinct lack of explosion and speed for Indiana over the past couple of seasons. And I, you know, cursing that he mentioned this, he, he knows what the speed numbers were of the previous regime, I think is how he put it. Um, and he seemed, as he typically has been, he seemed very confident that those numbers would be surpassed quite quickly uh, under Derek Owings. Um, I, I think there was a quote from Derek Owings that he wanted to make Indiana the something about the most explosive and violent team in the country, which every football coach is probably has the same feelings, right? Those are good things for the sport of football. That's obvious. Um, But there did seem to be an emphasis on kind of that, that functional strength and explosive speed that did remind me quite a bit of Dave Ballou and and Dr. Tim Ray, Matt Matt Ray. Yeah, I got the doctor part right at least. He did. I mean, he never let us forget that. I, I had that ingrained. Yeah. Um, so, but it reminded me a lot of that particular strength regime under Tom Allen, which was, you know, the height of of that coaching era. Um, so, as we turn back to the class of 2025, uh, what's next? What is next? And we're not talking in terms of oh, who's the next to commit? You know, if you had that type of foresight, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing, you'd be playing the lottery and gambling, but uh, just in terms of strategy, visits, that type of thing, uh, what do you expect to be next for the 2025 class? Well, there's a dead period now that started on Monday, which is, uh, this has always been a dead period, um, right before, you know, this used to be, obviously, you guys mentioned, this used to be the one signing day, now it's anticlimactic. I mean, I can remember working late yeah. in the hours in February right now on the uh, Tuesday night, I wasn't even looking at recruiting because I knew nobody was signing. So um, I would assume there'll be some more uh, when they start practice. um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Sammy. 21st 21st of March, the Thursday. So obviously you're probably not going to have, unless it's a spring break for guys, I would assume the Saturdays will be um, visit days. Maybe you'll have some kind of like a a junior day um, on some of those Saturdays. I would think you're going to try to get, uh, as many guys as you can, even though it's a Thursday night, just probably because hopefully they're they're going to be doing some cool things. Um, I know me and Sammy always talk about this. You, I'm sure you guys talk about it, trying to do, make it an event, uh, do things that you know is is good for families and kids and and fans. Um, but uh, hopefully it's a great night weather-wise. Uh, you never know in April in Indiana, but I would think you might have some guys there. But there'll be, I would assume there'll be visitors there at these at these practices. Um, and then, like I said, on the weekends, probably bigger groups of visitors because obviously it's easier to bring it. Guys come in on a Saturday. 
um, than it is during the week with, you know, with them in school and everything. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where they're at. I, you know, I was talking to somebody, um, a fellow IU fan, and I, I made the prediction. I won't, and I may be way off on this. I won't be shocked if IU goes into June with 10 commits, which I don't think's ever happened. I won't be shocked. And I'm not saying I know who the next eight guys are going to be. I just think the staff is really aggressive. And I think, I think they could have 10 commits. Now I threw out that number, maybe it's seven, maybe it's eight, but I mean, I'm trying to remember going into June. I don't know if they've ever had more than like three or four. I, and I may be that I also may be wrong on that. I have to go back and look. Usually June is the month because you have official visits. That's when you get the run on commits, but I could see this staff, especially coming out of spring ball, um, you know, getting five, six, seven, maybe eight commits between now and, and the middle of, uh, well, whatever that, what's the spring game, April 18th. So a little bit past the middle of April. At what point do you stop taking recruits to basketball games? <laughs> uh, <laughs> At what point did that they, become they a detriment? They could have. They could have. I mean, I'm not saying they could have, but it was interesting to me that there was a basketball game on Saturday, the third, and they did the junior day the next day on Sunday. Now, by well, that part of that might have been is, well, <laughs> part of it also might have been they had a huge group, and it would yep. probably would have been tough to get tickets for forty plus family. So you're probably pushing a hundred tickets. You know what I mean? If you, you know, they had around forty guys. You know, even if you know that, that's at least probably seventy-five to eighty tickets, and maybe closer to hundred, that probably would have been tough to do. Um, so, you know, that may be part of the reason. And Sunday was obviously a slower day on campus, as far as bringing guys in and, and parking's not an issue. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I'm not sure I I take guys to <laughs> to basketball games right now. Men's men's basketball, you bring them to IU women against yeah. Iowa. And and show them what what good basketball is like. But Matt, thanks for joining us uh, today. Hopefully, the spring game. Look, it's a roll of the dice of the weather in April in yeah. Indiana. Uh, I'm glad that they made it a part of the little 500 weekend. It's a great kickoff to little five. Uh, if you want to brand that, uh, hopefully IU people are listening. Um, you know, kick off little five with the uh, IU spring game and, and things like that. Um, and then we roll Bring into Raccoon Village. Bring yeah, back bring, Hoosier Village. Bring my kids loved it. it. I, I'm I'm selfish. My kids loved it. Um, but I mean, I, I never understood why that went away. I'm not sure, but bring that back and do it at spring, do it at spring in the spring game. Set up something in the whether it be the south end of the stadium. Yeah. Out there in the grass. Yeah. Bring back the yep. Hoosier Village. I thought it was awesome. I heard there was a crazy person from Carmel dunking on his kids and they had to close it. So. <laughs> um anyway, uh thanks for joining us, Matt. You could Follow Matt on peaks.com. He does wonderful things with recruiting uh, and answering questions on his message boards uh, and all that stuff. Uh, you can follow us at, at Hoosier underscore huddle on Twitter. And final thoughts, TJ. Oh, uh, yeah. It's probably best if we don't get into a basketball conversation. Um, no, I, I, I think um, what has been really cool to look at is and really feel is the positive energy and momentum that the program has right now. Uh, you yep. feel it from the visits, you feel it from the fan base. Um, it's, it's a exciting time. Um, and I, you know, for those of us that have covered IU football or followed it in any capacity, uh, you know, we're, we're dying for anything positive. So we might be kind of biased in this uh, with how, how much fun it potentially could be. Um, but I'm looking forward to, to getting into spring practice and kind of getting a feel for these coaches at work on the field. I think that's going to be a really fun, uh, 
side story of spring practice is just being able to see the coaches interact with the players in any capacity and see how this new staff operates. Yep. Only 13 spring practices this year for IU. Uh, we'll get into Coach Signetti's philosophy on spring practice at a later date and all that stuff. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle and come back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your uh, Indiana football news. Uh, again, thanks for, for joining us and have a great evening.